it's been way too long and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed by. Hey guys! Welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives. My name's Justin. As you know, I'm in LA. We've got Mike over in London. What's up, bro? I was about to say something other than yo, but then I just realized I have to say yo. That's just what happened. (laughs) Yo. Oh, well, very exciting topic today. We're going deep. We're going really deep. And and we've got a, a legendary guest. So the topic, top five childhood bands or artists what we mean with this and we'll we'll dive into it a little more once we bring our guest on in just a minute or two is the bands or the artists that were the most influential during sort of your your most formative childhood years so i think mike we sort of said you know rough rough estimate maybe like 10 to 16ish somewhere around there does that sound right yeah i think mine skew a little bit earlier but you know yeah and mine mine's right in that wheelhouse i think but it's just you know whether it was that these bands led to you know future musical tastes whether there's just certain memories attached and it took you just through those sort of later elementary into middle school into high school years the the ones that that really had a lasting impact and you know we we grew up in in we were born in 89 so that sort of should give you a little bit of a tell what what type of era we're probably going to dive into. But before we talk about this any further, need to introduce a very special guest, which I know for anyone that knows me personally, this is probably going to be a real treat because it's a bit of a, a reunion here on the show. One of my great friends from growing up and went to high school with, Caroline Kowalczyk. So Caroline right now, living in Buenos Aires, She's a certified life coach who supports multidisciplinary creatives and future entrepreneurs in reaching their highest level of self-expression through their personal life and business. So she's she's absolutely killing it in the life coach business. She's going to be launching her own podcast very soon, which which I feel honored to have been a guest on, called The Unpurposeful Podcast. It's going to be fucking awesome. Dive into sort of, I mean, everything surrounding her profession. And and well, first of all, welcome. Welcome, Caroline. Hello. <laughs> Thank you. So nice to be here with you, Justin and Mike. I am so pumped to just have this discussion with you and go back to our childhoods and kind of see what planted the seed for, you know, how we were listening to music in the future. So many memories from childhood, obviously many music ones with you, but I know one that always comes to mind and who knows, maybe we'll talk about one of these bands later, but you know what I'm going to say? Foo Fighters and Weezer, <laughs> fucking co-headline tour, you, me and Jim O'Connor. <laughs> what a time that was. 
It was amazing. It was, that was actually my first big concert. Like I've been to concerts prior to that, but that was my first like big commercial, you know, known bands. And I just remember looking up at like the laser beam lights, they were lime green. And it was like, oh my God, I can't wait to be older and continue doing this. And from then on, it was just like, this is the life. This is what I'm going to keep doing for fun. I still have, to this day, I think that show was in... Bridgeport. Shit. It was in Bridgeport. Bridgeport. Yep. The arena. I I forget which one. Yeah. I'm forgetting the name of it. It's like, yeah, I forget the name of the arena there. Bridgeport, Connecticut, whatever the, the arena is there. It was either 2005 or 2006. And I still have Taylor from the Foo Fighters, the drummer, Taylor Hawkins. I still have his drumstick from that show. So do I. I have the other one. Yes. Oh, my yes. God. <laughs> oh my God. Fuck yes. I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember that we actually, we almost met them because we had like yeah. finagled some sort of, we won tickets through Casey 101 outside. Like we, we, I don't know how the three of us did this, but we were on a mission and we got the drumsticks or at least I got the drumstick at the end because someone came out and they were like, we're so sorry, but the band actually left. <laughs> and we, we were like, oh, do you remember that? Caroline, this is why I need you because <laughs> I have such a bad memory, but you just fully brought that out of me. That is why we were sitting in those seats for so long at the end. Yes, yes. And the next day, I was driving to high school, and the um, I was listening to the radio, and the host was talking about the concert, and I was so emotional because I was like, oh my goodness, we almost met them, but then we didn't. And then they played the acoustic version of Everlong, which is my favorite uh. Foo Fighters song. And I was like, no. But it was amazing to share that experience with you. Yeah, and I agree. And Jim, shout out to Jim. And like, I cannot believe we almost met the Foo Fighters. Like, I'm I'm reliving the sadness of not meeting the Foo Fighters right now. <laughs> Fuck, Dave, why did you leave? I know, I know. Dave did too many Jaeger shots that night. This was at Webster Arena at, at Harbor Yard? Yes, yes, that is yes. the arena. Let's, let's October 11th, 2005. Oh That's my it. gosh. Wow. Yes, it was fall, I remember. It was yes. like, yeah, this like... Oh, crisp air. Oh, yeah. Everlong, the last song before the encore. The internet confirms. Wow. wow. What was the encore? Uh, fuck, I just closed it. <laughs> 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 I'm going, what am I thinking they might have ended with? It's simply maybe the best. Maybe best of you? Best, best, best of you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm best of you Tina or maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's simply that would be the best. Sick if they did a cover of that though. It would. Oh. Love Dave. Dave, Cole. how did Dave leave and not meet us? That was fucked up, Dave. We it love was you though. Up. <laughs> I swear to God, Dave fucking took too many Jaeger shots that night. Heartbroken. You know, I peed next to Dave in a in a bathroom once. No, why? When? <laughs> well, so when I used to work at my at my desk job, um, back in, I think it was twenty four. Yeah, it was back in twenty fourteen. We shared in a floor in this office building with this OBGYN that was like really famous and like all the celebrities would go to them. And so 
one day I was like unknowingly just like, I mean, I, you go to the bathroom all the time in your office building. You don't really think much. And this guy like rolls into the bathroom. Obviously, I'm not thinking Dave Grohl is going to walk into the bathroom. So this guy like walks in and I'm peeing at the urinal and he like walks right by me. And there's like right behind it. There's like one stall and he like kicks open the door and just like starts whistling and peeing in the in the stall. And I was just like, interesting. I was like, guy had like long hair. Like, I feel like he's got to be like in a band, just has a hilarious attitude. And then I go to wash my hands and he comes and washes his hands next to me. But like his hair is like all over his face. I'm not like really looking over at him because it's like (laughs) the two of us in there. It'd be sort of awkward if I just looked right at him in the face. And he did kick the door open. (laughs) Exactly. And so then, you know, he walks out. I walk out right behind him. And as he's walking down the hallway, which is the other direction from my office, I just see those on each arm, the feather tattoos that he has on each arm. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. I was like, wait, I think that's Dave Grohl. I need to just verify that that is exactly what his arms look like. And of course, I should have just shouted out Dave. I didn't. And I didn't verify until he was already through the door back in the office. But it it was fucking Dave. It was, I mean, clear as day. I was like, well, those are the arms I was just looking at. (laughs) I was like, how did I not say hi to Dave? I had the opportunity, missed it. So much already to say, and I wasn't even at this concert. So you forgot to mention <laughs> that Hot Hot Heat was there. Big, big mistake. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, they opened. Now, yeah. Best of You had already been played in the set list. So I've got two song encore. Any final guesses? Monkey Wrench. Monkey Wrench was the final song. One more one more guess. Is the opener to the encore. That's right. What's the it – was, it was for the In Your Honor album. So I'm trying to think what that slow song is on there. Razor? Was it Razor? It was Breakout. It was Breakout. Mm. Whoa! Great encore. Uh, also, yeah, I, I don't know about you, but there's several other concerts in Connecticut on my list. I'm excited to continue to just relive the Connecticut concerts yes. just seen. Unreal. Okay. Well, I feel like we have to just dive into this. At the, or you know what? Before we do, I wanted to ask you something, Caroline, that we, yeah. we could ask later, but we're going to do it now. Tell us a little bit about the Unpurposeful podcast what you're trying to accomplish there and when we might be able to see it and listen to it. Absolutely. Okay. So the Unpurposeful podcast is about the pursuit of purpose by understanding that you have no purpose. So it's about bonding over the process that we're all in of wanting to do something or accomplish something. Uh, But in the end, none of us are our jobs or what we do. So the best that we can do is follow our innate curiosity and see where that leads us without putting this immense pressure on ourselves and trusting that we'll end up exactly where we're meant to be. So I go on and interview a variety of people with different backgrounds from like wilderness guides to burn surgeons, you're on the podcast, entrepreneurial dog walker, podcaster, and uh (laughs) yeah and like people get to share their work and life experiences and we discuss their unique path in how they got to where they are today expertise in the field and any hot topics and insights that come up throughout the conversation so to quote george from seinfeld it's a podcast about nothing and everything at the same time (laughs) oh 
I love it, and you know how much that I um very much relate to everything you believe in <laughs> and that you're trying to spread. So I I'm a big proponent of this, and and you guys all gotta check this out once it launches, which is gonna be soon. Yes, yeah, it's going to most likely be uh, in the next two weeks, but you can just get all the information through my Instagram page at Partner in Purpose. So follow along there for the exact date. Amazing. I cannot wait to listen. I can't wait to listen back, honestly, to our episode too, because it was so much fun. <laughs> it was so much fun. But now I think we have to give the people what they want. I think yes. it's time to dive in. Yes. So, okay, today we're gonna go me, Caroline, Mike. I'm gonna start us off. And I'll I'll preface by saying it, it was so hard because there were so many different bands or artists that like were very impactful and for different reasons and at different time periods. But I, I tried to pick those that had the the largest impact and I'm going to be taking you on some journeys. But anyways, I'm going to start at number five with, I'd say, the least journey of them all, which is it's the only person on my list that's an artist and not a band. And it's one that, if you know me, has been so influential to opening up a certain genre to me and really just, just someone that I have loved forever and I love to this day and I still will go see in concert if he ever tours and that is Eminem. <gasps> Anyone else yes! have it? Yes. Yes. He's on my list. Oh, wow. Okay. You have him higher. I have him. I have him there. <laughs> okay. We're going to wait. We're going to wait till then. Hell yes. I fucking love it. Yep. The era we grew up in, he had to be involved. Anyways, yep. we will get there. Caroline. Okay. So... I did this list a little bit differently. Um, what I did is I took five artists that were a part of my musical journey, and I kind of started with chronological order. So from like my younger years of like being nine to ten, and going up to like sixteen, something like that. So if it's okay with with you both, I'd love to kind of start from that first band that kind of planted the seed for my uh, musical palette. A hundred percent. We're just going to take it. That'll be five through one, taking us on a chronological journey. Perfect. Okay. So the memory that I have when I was about nine or 10 was like driving in the car a lot from like New Jersey, you know, uh, visiting fr my parents, friends or relatives. And this is before my brother was born. So there's a, my brother was born when I was 12, did not think that was going to happen, but it was just like my parents and me and them blasting Pink Floyd, the wall album. Oh, and me just like watching them, like blast this without any regard <laughs> to my hearing. <laughs> and, you know, and I remember listening and being like, this is some powerful stuff. And I don't really know what the words mean. Like I could understand what the, like the words, but they were telling such a powerful story. And I felt like it was very historical, you know, very rebellious and it had this feeling of like 
yeah, rebellion with no fucks given. And it kind of set the base for my love for bands that I listened to when I got older, like Rage Against the Machine, Daft Punk, electronic music in general, jam bands, uh, rock, of course. And then the sound just had this like feeling of accepting life as it is, pain and all. Mm-hmm. And I remember borrowing my parents' CDs and them always getting so pissed because I never p- put the CD back and they would like <laughs> flip out and be like, Caroline, you have to put this back. And it'd be like in my, you know, wherever in my room. Um, but I wanted to start with that because I was really, you know, this list wasn't easy to come up with, but I feel like Pink Floyd as a kid, like they played it so much and you know, my parents are also from Poland, so it was like really, I think they really related and connected with the message of Pink Floyd with, you know, just like Poland's history in the past. And it it just, I had to start there, you know, so I think that that really kind of allowed me to listen to different instruments that I didn't even know what they were. Like it was like everything, electronic music, you know, rock and so yeah that that's mine that is an amazing first pick because i feel like now that you've said it i can't get out of my head and be like holy shit they actually did pave the way for so many different interests in music because you're right that you can even pick up electronic elements and sounds you've never heard And they just sort of like, that was a band that when you first listen as a kid, your mind is kind of blown because you've never heard anything like it. Yeah. I mean, think about, yeah, listening to like Dark Side of the Moon for the first time. You haven't heard anything like that. Like, yeah, nowadays there's so much that pulls from it, but it's something that that can't really be replicated. And so hearing it for the first time, I can see how that could just open up the pathways to just a life of music love hearing like the kids sing like we don't need no education at that age oh that was like so powerful for me because like i think i know everyone's parents were different but i feel like the parenting model that my parents had like you know they were awesome parents but i i felt like um yeah you know like they're your parents and so you when you're growing up and you're going to school you kind of as a kid, I think often kids don't feel like they have a lot of ways or means of full expression. And even though I was very lucky to grow up in a house where I did have that, but like still, you know, just like societally, right? And culturally, it was such a cool feeling to hear these kids singing that chorus and like, mm-hmm this power running through your veins of like, man, they're, they're changing something. There is something going on here and people are listening and my parents are singing along to it. Like, what the hell? You know, like, and it's just like, it just was this awesome feeling of like, hmm, I'm, I'm really curious. Like it, it just helped me be more curious. And I think they really set the stage for me to be open for a lot of different genres. Until this day, I tell people, I'm like, I really do listen to so many different types of music. It just depends on my mood. And I feel like, 
growing up with them in our household, like that kind of set the base, you know, like I remember going to see jam bands at like Stella Blues or Bar every Wednesday when I was still living with my parents in college and like living for those nights and like not caring who was on. Like I wouldn't even know who was playing and I'd go by myself and I'd be like, I'm just here to get down and to like really stay present and to just not think about anything else, but have this connection to myself with whoever wants to share their story. And I feel like that's just what music is. It's like being able to storytell a human experience for other humans and connect over it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, this is a really cool pick. And I actually, I remember listening to this around, let's say sort of the same age, like 11, 12, uh, like on the school bus with a friend of mine that lived close by. And I kind of, it's not like it's an album that you need to listen to when you're pretty significantly older than that. And I think I almost like shelved Pink Floyd for like a few years because I was like, I don't really get this. You know what I yes. mean? But it's yes. interesting to think about it, like listening it, not not like in the background, but like in the back of a car, like just sort of the sounds being forced on you and mm-hmm. like the effect that it has on you. It's, I like that. It's a cool pick. Thank you. That was really a good way to set the tone for this episode. <laughs> that was fucking great. Number five, Pink Floyd. Caroline just starting us off so strong right now. <laughs> I love that. Okay. My number five. My number five. Um, and I don't know if you even know this about me, Town, really, because I'm like I'm like kind of a closet fan of a type of music that's like not really popular today, let's say. Mm-hmm. So my number five is the absolutely epic band Poison. Oh my god. I love like glam metal, like hair metal, and I have for as long as I could possibly remember. And the only person that loves it just as much as I do, Town, is my cousin Sal. Big shout, big shout out to Sal. Massive shout out to Sal. So, That's Caroline, beautiful. first of all, I want you to know, Mike is. I mean, not obviously, Poison's a really fucking big band, but Mike is just known for his off the wall picks. <laughs> I love that. And and also his cousin Sal, who sadly I I don't know if we have had an epic shout out to him yet on the podcast, is an absolute just one of the funniest people ever. Legend. Legend. <laughs> All right. Tell us about Poison. So Poison, I don't really know how I was first turned on to them, just because I was like so young when I started listening to them, but I mean they're two like their debut album, Look What the Cat Dragged In, and the second album open up and say uh obviously came out before we were born in the 80s but i just i still absolutely adore them and and i'm not ashamed to admit it to this day but i i just yeah i think part of it was connecting sort of with my cousin like we're really into bands like motley Crue and like white snake and stuff like that um and we're very similar in age so i think that's a big part of it for me um besides just kind of opening up uh opening me up into the genre Um, But then I think even as like Poison was obviously losing popularity when I started listening to them, but I love how they've just sort of like continued to be a part of my life. Like, do you guys remember that that VH1 show Rock of Love, which came out in 2007 with Brett Michaels? Yes. And everyone like hated that show. And I was like, this is fucking epic. It's Brett Michaels. (laughs) Even though I was like 18, I was like, this is still the greatest fucking thing ever. Like, I, I love Poison. And then uh, I saw them. I saw them at the Meadows in 2009. They did a tour with Cheap Trick and Def Leppard, uh, which is like one of my most memorable concert experience. 
Um, and yeah, I just, I just fucking love them. Those two albums specifically are great. Um, it's a band that I don't get to talk about a lot because not a lot of other people our age like them. Um, but I, I still hold it down. That's awesome. Yeah, you really are holding it down because I feel like their prime age demo is like five to ten years older than us. Does that do you, was that about does that about play, Mike? You think? Yeah, I was gonna. I think like ten, ten, yeah, ten plus even. Mm. Probably like ten years, and it's so funny. First of all, obviously, massive shout out to the Meadows. That's all of ours. You know, we all grew up in Connecticut. Mike and Monroe. Caroline and Orange, me and Woodbridge, and uh, the Meadows is the main like amphitheater in Hartford, Connecticut. It's like called some like other things over the years, but I mean, if you live in Connecticut, it's the Meadows. Facts. But <laughs> dude, I remember when meeting you in college, you would talk about the goddamn show, like. <laughs> like uh, like about the TV show about the TV show. Oh my god, that's because hilarious. you'd always you'd be like, oh man, I love it, I love it. And I'd be like, oh what are, what are you doing? Like, what are you from? <laughs> oh my god, I really did. But I, I'm also a sucker for like the trashiest of reality television. So. This this is also true about you. There's there's so much beauty in just like owning that, you know. Like I, I feel like that's like the best quality anyone can have is just like full acceptance of like liking what you like. And I think that that's also like so related to just what I do as a coach too. like working with people. It's just like, what do you actually like, you know, and then we can Mm -hmm. really start there and have that real foundation. So Mike, I think that's beautiful. And also I'm just thinking about like the connection and the bonding experience that you had with your cousin and that just being like your thing together. Yeah, totally. That's so awesome. Yeah, oh. it's 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 like related. It's it's like it's all kind of one culture to me. But like, remember that movie? What is it? It's called The Dirt that came out like three years ago on Netflix, the Molly Crew movie. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it either. Everybody like hated it and like immediately like so now we're in our 30s uh, and uh, like still immediately my cousin who I talked to like once a year texting was like dude have you seen the dirt <laughs> like our love for motley crew and like warrant and like twisted sister is like just on a new level oh knows no bounds it really doesn't okay my number five poison town finally over to you you got robbed oh Let's hear maybe it. i'll get robbed again but we'll find out i don't think so i knowing both of you i don't think this band is going to be on either of yours but i could be wrong so We'll find out right now. So for my number four, I'd say this is, of all the bands on my list, the band I got into the latest. Probably got into them uh, really, I'd say early high school. So like the way that our school system worked was our middle school was actually seventh, eighth, and ninth grade for all, all you guys in the States. Technically, ninth grade was considered high school, but we we did it at our middle school. And then high school, we did 10th, 11th, 12th. So I believe I got into this band around 10th grade. Massive band in terms of the Connecticut love for them and really opened up sort of my world to a genre of music that I still love to this day. And that band is the Dave Matthews band. Ooh. Love it. And I mean, so so DMB, like, if you don't know much, I mean, if you don't know that much about them, 
they're kind of like a jammy band, like a jam band. It, it's comprised of Dave Matthews, who's like the lead singer. He's got this amazing band with him. They've you know been together since uh, I believe it's the early '90s. A couple additions to the lineup over the years, uh, a couple lineup changes, but pretty much the same core group of guys. And every summer they're known uh, in the U.S. They do these massive summer tours. They play like two, three night stands at all these amphitheaters around the country. Every Labor Day weekend, they do this three night stand at the Gorge up in Washington State, which is just a beautiful venue. And all their fans like travel from around the world for it. And when they do these multi night stands, it's like always different set lists, blah, 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 blah. And in Connecticut, I mean, there there were a couple bands and Dave Matthews, I mean, it are, could be argued as the top, one of the top bands that was loved in Connecticut in the 90s and the 2000s. It's a fact. Can verify. Yeah. Fact. And so it almost was like a rite of passage going to your first Dave Matthews show at the Meadows because that was always notoriously one of his biggest stops on the tour. The tailgating scene for Dave Matthews is the stuff of legends. I mean, you have... Street upon street upon street upon street of just cars parked, people partying, beer pong in the parking lot, everyone grilling up. It's like the tailgate to end all tailgates. And his his music, one, it's like a bit more uh, at times acoustic, folky, jammy. Um, it just opened up my world to all these bands that I still love today. Like, you know, right away it led me into OAR, which is one of my favorite bands to this day, you know, sort of the dispatches of the world and John Butler trio and all these bands that I grew to love. It all started with Dave and it's like, I'll never forget that, you know, a few of my friends liked Dave and had gone, I think, to his his show the year prior to my first show. I think my first show was 06, but it'd been so hyped up. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not like totally into his sound, like, because he's got a very specific sound. You either like it or you don't like it. And everyone's like, no, no, you come see him live. You're going to love him. And so I was like, all right, fuck it. Like, it sounds like a fun time. You know, you're just sort of at the age where maybe you're getting into like, you know, doing a little drinking. And so I went to the show at the Meadows and it was just like the most mind blowing experience. One of just the musicianship and like the way they could all gel together and jam out on these songs sometimes for like 15 minutes and just incredible how the band came together to put put on this like, you know, they do these two and a half, three hour long sets every night. And just even the tailgate experience, like the entire experience, it was like sort of like my intro to sort of drinking and partying and just seeing all these people having this good time together mixed with the band just being on fire. And immediately I was like, I love this band. And then like a few of my friends, like big shout out to like Jesse Lertzman. And I'm trying to think who else, obviously Kramer, Dave Kramer, and some others, like, we all love Dave. We go every year to his shit, like, both nights. And he just really opened up that that pathway to me into that more jammy, folky type music that I still really, really love today. And, and still today, I don't see Dave, like, every summer. But if Dave comes around, I will try to go. Like, this year, for instance, I know if you live in L.A., he's playing the Hollywood Bowl September 19th and 20th. And already, like, a couple of us are like, we should fucking go to the Dave show this year. It's always a good time. 
but that was a very long story. Point is, I love that man. I love that band. And they they changed my musical trajectory. I love that. Can I just say that I never got to go to a Dave show and I regret it because I remember our entire high school going. <laughs> the whole school went. The whole school went. And I remember, like you said, OAR was big, Dispatch. Like, I, And I listened to them too, but... I don't know. Like, it's it's weird. I think I was just, like, in a different place. And maybe I was, like, a part of me was, like, feeling rebellious. And I was, like, oh, well, if everyone else is going, so stupid. <laughs> but, like, I just didn't go because, I don't know. It's like you said, I, I didn't, like, fully really get – I just never really listened to him. And then a few years ago, I was back in Connecticut, and his music was playing, and I was getting down – and I was like, I got to Shazam this. <laughs> and, it was, and I was like, I can't believe it. And I was like, this is so fucking good. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, I've been robbed. I robbed myself of, <laughs> of this experience. But, of course, like, I do remember, like, people in Connecticut, our high school, everyone just, like, freaking out when he came. And I really resonated with what you said about, like, jamming and just – um, the other bands that it led you to listen to. Carolyn, I have like almost the exact same story. Like literally. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, and, and I also like, I'll talk about later because like I have a pathway into jam bands as well, like coming up in my list. So I was like <laughs> listening to this music, but I just never really got into Dave. And then like one weekend a year, all my stoner friends would just be gone. And I'm just like, where is everybody? And then like, I just never, I just never went. And I just so badly wish that I had went. I don't know yes. what was wrong with me. Yes. This is like obviously more about the the fun aspect of a Dave show and less about the music. But like with this all said about how everyone would go to these shows and connect, like literally everyone you knew, you know, for better or worse, some of us, you know, this it was a bit of an intro to sort of partying and tailgating. And sometimes some people, you know, had a little bit too much. And I'll never forget that one of my buddies got so drunk before we even went in. That when we got into the venue, he immediately was like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom real quick. Goes and pees. Cannot figure out how to get out of the stall. Had All he had done was locked it behind him, but he could not undo it because he was so drunk. Oh, that's And rough. he ended up having to crawl out of the stall. Oh, oh my no. God. Oh, no. <laughs> that sucks. It's, that's such a good memory, though. And I so know. fun to look back on. It was so on. funny. Dave, man. Ah. That's a really good one. I really hope, Caroline, that one day maybe you get to see him still. He's still we'll going. We'll see him together. We'll see him together. I would love that. That would be amazing. But Never yeah, too number late. four, Dave Matthews Band. Take it away. Take it away, my friend. All right. All right. Well, okay. So again, just a reminder for people going in chronological order, <laughs> sort of, with I love it. the bands I came up with, but I could not not pick this one and that's bob marley bob marley and the whalers this band again was just like kind of in the background from a young age and i remember every time his music would play on the radio i would get like super excited and it was my first i think introduction to reggae and i don't know how to put this but like Bob Marley, when I when I hear him sing and when I hear his songs, like as a kid, I think it just made me feel like 
everything's going to be okay in the world and you're safe. Like you're safer than you think. And I don't know. I just, I love reggae. It's not a, it's not a genre I listen to all the time, but it was like later in my teen years, I really got into it. He definitely got me really into other bands like Buju Bantan, Sublime, you know, Ska, Rocksteady, um, the blues. I loved Damian Marley's Welcome to Jamrock album. That was like me and John Delizio would listen to that all the time. And I feel like I don't know how many other people in our high school listen to that album, but we would get down to that. And like No Woman Don't Cry, like that song just like always held a, a special place in my heart. And then another side story with this is when I got a little older. So my first job working, like once I turned 16, was at Marshall's. Mine was, hey, mine was TJ Maxx. Love Let's it. give it up to oh, each yeah, other. Oh, yeah, I remember there that. I remember yep. that. The Home Goods <laughs> branch. <laughs> but you know yeah, what? Was... You killed it more because I, lo- I love, to this day, I love a good Marshalls. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Till this day, when I go back to Connecticut, you know I'm hitting up. I'm hitting up all of them: Marshalls, TJ Maxx. Like I just love those <laughs> stores. But yeah, and I had this. So then, after I was at that store, I got this other job at Griffin Hospital in Derby, Connecticut. And nice. I had this boss. Um, my boss was this like old school Polish woman named Bożena. And she was like very intimidating and intense. Heart of gold. You know, she was like family to me. But like in the beginning, I was like terrified of her. And she absolutely loved Bob Marley. And she would play his music all the time, especially like when we were working together. And I don't know, like, I just remember that time of my life because it was the first job that I was put in a very, like, kind of serious position. Like, I was learning about HIPAA. I was 16, and everyone thought I was at least in college. And it really kind of shaped my perspective of, like, connecting with people of all ages over music because, again, we were always blasting it in the film library. (laughs) And then like, you know, also like taking accountability when I really didn't want to being in like my first like kind of like conflict resolution situations where like people get very heated, like doctors lose their shit, you know, for whatever reason, right or wrong. Right. I used to like hang the mammogram films for doctors to read because everything was film back then. So it was really cool. And, and I worked there for six years on and off, like uh, per diem and part time. But Bob Marley just, I don't know, I feel like they set the stage for my love for, like I said, you know, Sublime, which was one of my favorite bands in high school as well. And just like, I don't know, it just it's it's happy. But then also he told he, he had this way of t- expressing life when it was really Mm -hmm. sad and terrifying and like it was kind of this cool way of like sharing his experience without being too preachy and just like more from a perspective of observance 
and like mm-hmm. what what connecting and coming together can actually do and how that actually puts us all in power versus against each other so yeah that's my that's my uh number four i guess you could say i'm so glad you ended on that note because like i think bob marley is obviously amazing and like even like incredibly popular bands have haters and i feel like bob marley has no haters and he just has that like calming almost like unifying aspect to it but that last point that you were sort of making i think for me is what i remember most about bob marley and why i had like a bob marley poster on my wall when i was 16 is that him kind of leading me into more of like understanding the struggles of working people worldwide you know and uniting in that uh yeah struggle i guess like that's i think as a political figure i think is what i think about him the most totally oh i got chills mike like i literally have chills right now when you said that and also props to you having a poster of him because till this day my childhood room and my house in orange has still the pink floyd album um cover for oh my god i'm blanking right now wish you were here oh right with the guy like being lit on fire oh yeah um, yeah and then a bob marley poster and i'm not gonna say the last one for for a later surprise but there's (laughs) but there's yeah there's just something about and that's kind of how this I was able to narrow down my list because I I was all over the place. I was like, there's so many bands that bring so many good memories up. But I was like, wait, who did I have up on my wall? And who are some (laughs) of the people that are still up there? (laughs) Oh, very important. That's a very important thing to know. And, And I have to say, Caroline, with each of your first two picks, I'm like, how the fuck did I not think of these people? Because Bob Marley could not be a more perfect choice. Mike, like you said it, there's nobody that doesn't like Bob Marley. And as you know, they say in my favorite TV show of all time, Lost, two of the characters bond over Bob Marley. It's one character starts singing Bob Marley. The other guy, you singing Bob Marley? He goes, yeah. You like Bob Marley? Man, who doesn't like Bob Marley? Everyone loves Bob Marley. Yeah. And I think so many of the points that you touched on about why he resonated with you, we can all relate to. And he, like a Pink Floyd as well, and maybe even more so, I think, is somebody that almost every single child is exposed to his music. And when you are lucky enough to be, it's universally appealing and calming and you know mike like you said sort of the the political aspect to some of what he believed in and was involved in also starts you off maybe on that path as well in life a little bit and and understanding some of the issues that we're facing in the world but yeah he just always had a way to to truly make you feel like every little thing was gonna be all right like it was true Yeah, I think he did a good job for like that age of, you know, everything's about us, right? Like the ego and like kind of taking you away from that for a second and and Mm -hmm. starting to care about like international affairs and like also just what's going on in your neighborhood or like, yeah, what, what else is beyond you? He's so good. 
No, great, 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 that. great, great. Number four. I'm, I love all the picks, honestly, so far. Yeah, me too. All of these are so amazing. This is so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Okay, my number four. I'm not sure if you've heard of this band, but we'll see. This is uh, We got a mic pick coming up. Oh, boy. Classic. <laughs> it's a fake mic pick. My number four okay. is The Beatles. Yes! <laughs> I love that. Yes. Oh, That's yes. That's such a good pick. So my my mother's like music tastes ended at the 60s. Like she never listened to anything <laughs> beyond that. And she didn't like have music on all the time, but like we had like a CD tower. You know what I mean? <laughs> like for people that have CDs, I realize how old we are already. But like a CD tower, like in the corner of like our living room. And when I was really young at like eight, I, I like sort of ran the racks a bit and I found the you know, like the two double CDs, the red album and the blue album, it's sort of like greatest hits. There's one, it's like 1962 to 1966. And then there's another one that's 67 to 70. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, like all the Beatles classics. And when I was just really young, I just really fell in love with them. And I think, you know, it was really the one thing that would sort of be on around the house, let's say, that I would listen to and kind of get into. My brother liked them as well, which definitely helped. But the other thing I always think about is like how I I sort of grew up listening to the music and my own life like started to sort of parallel the journey of the band. So like on the Red Album, when I was like eight years old, I was listening to like, you know, I Want to Hold Your Hand and like Michelle and like songs like that. Right. And then I was, I was getting older. I'd be listening to like the Blue Album, like Strawberry Fields Forever, Lucy in the Sky, I Am the Walrus. And by then, like when I was really starting to like that music, like looking back now, I realized I was like 12 or 13. And it was because I started being like, hey, what's this drug stuff? Like drugs, <laughs> sound, they sound cool. Like this is good. And like I just didn't <laughs> listen to the other stuff anymore. And like I think that's sort of, you know, kind of paralleled. Yeah, me growing up, I think. Obviously, they're an amazing band. Um, but yeah, the, the kind of counterculture stuff I still find really interesting today. And And I would say like, this is going to sound like crazy, but like, I feel like in some way the Beatles are so famous that I like kind of sleep on them a bit. Like now that I'm in my thirties and I just happened to be like listening to something, uh, maybe it was Abbey Road like the other day. And I was like, fuck, this is really good. Like, this is like, <laughs> I forgot. like, this is still really good guys. Like, I don't know if you've heard, but yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's a band that I don't think we've ever talked about on the pod town, but she was really, really instrumental and like one of the first bands I got into when I was like very, very young. I love that. Oh, uh, well, Mike, I got to say, I like what you said about, you know, them being so big and you kind of sleeping on them. I feel like that's what happened to me. And then I was actually in Liverpool with my friend that I met in Australia who's from Southampton, England, and we were like driving around and we went to the Beatles museum and around that time I got like really into them and I was like this is so good and kind of like Dave Matthews I was like what the hell like (laughs) I get it I get it and you know I feel the same way with like sometimes even Bob Marley or Pink Floyd because like you you listen to them so much. And then last night I, I really let myself just like get into it again. And I was like, damn, this is fire. This is just so good. And they were so ahead of their time. And yeah, I just love like what you said about, you know, is anyone listening to this? Like, this is really good. Like, did you know? 
this is really freaking amazing. <laughs> Hot take alert. I feel like I slept on the Beatles even longer than either of you guys. Like, I mean, sort of like a more akin to y- your story, Caroline. Like, they're so big. I feel like when I was a kid, I, yeah, that I just didn't fully dive in ever. And then finally, maybe, I mean, this is sacrilegious for how much anyone that knows me knows I'm obsessed with music. But sometime, yeah, in the past decade, I was just like, why the fuck haven't I listened to more than like five of the Beatles? I mean, I've heard more, but like, why haven't I ever really listened to the Beatles? Let's just do a deep dive. Listen to all their music. Blown the fuck away. What was I thinking? And then saw saw Paul McCartney live in 2018. And it was, I mean, one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. I mean, wow. the Hey Jude sing along will probably go down as like the greatest concert moment ever. That's amazing. Fucking Beatles, man. Biggest band of all time. So good. And I mean, I also, Mike, like what you were saying about you being on the same path with like, you know, where you were in your life and where your curiosity was leading you, like lyrically, um, that album is so unique and special because it's so colorful and fruity. And you're like, wait, what is this? They're dropping a lot of hints here, but like not really saying it. And it, it's just, uh, it's kind of like this Candyland mystery audio journey that you go on and you're never really in trouble for it it just keeps getting more fun oh that's a great way of putting it i love that That that's a very good way of putting it number four the beatles that's a beautiful way i think to end it let's go town you're number three oh man i'm excited about number three it's i feel like there's i don't think there's a chance either of you have this but there's there's a band that i still i still love to show my support for these I know days. What it is. I wonder if you do. Okay. So little intro to me, like the way that I was introduced to music, I'm just going to give like a little background and then lead into this pick, which none of these artists that I'm going to drop. So when I was in third grade, I, I fucking heard a couple Backstreet Boys songs and I was like, holy shit, I love these guys. I've got their debut album for show and tell in my third grade class. I played quit playing games with my heart to the class. So got some Backstreet Boys. Parents bought me that album. Then I got a couple other albums from some sort of more like alternative bands. Like I heard like Iris by Goo Goo Dolls got that Dizzy Up the Girl album. Oh, great album great album i heard like uh real world and 3 a.m by matchbox 20 and so i got the yourself or someone like you album heard semi-charmed life and jumper got the third eye blind debut album which which funny enough is a band that i actually years and years later got really back into so now i actually love them again but it all led to the first two albums i ever bought with my own money those two bands uh quite different bands both within the rock realm uh, one we're going to talk about a little bit later uh, on my list, but the one I'm going to talk about right now is a band that I believe is unfairly talked poorly about to this day. Ooh, I know. Controversial. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have many stories to give related but it's a band that opened up my world because, I mean, not only was it one of the, again, one of the first two CDs I bought with my own money because I liked, you know, what I was hearing so much, but it opened me fully up 
to sort of the harder rock world and just like the rock world in general. And that band is Limp Biscuit. Oh, such a good one. Oh, great choice. That's such a good choice. My man, Fred Durst. I mean, if you don't know Limp Biscuit, they sort of they they spawned the genre, the subgenre known as new metal. And it sort of fused rock, hard rock and rap. And they blew up sort of around the time that we were primed, you know, to get into a band like them. We were all significant other, which was the album that I bought, came out, I believe, in 1999. So we were like nine, ten years old. And man, it blew my mind, like break stuff, nookie fucking and together now that had had a uh, method man on it and rearranged but yeah so anyways limp biscuit they're a five piece led by fred durst notorious for wearing the red yankee cap and at the time for anyone i think that wasn't in our age range fred durst came off maybe as a little bit douchey there was like a couple incidents over the years that they had Again, we don't even need to go into the full debacle because I believe Mike and I have talked about it on another episode, but where I felt like they were a little bit unfairly scapegoated for what happened at Woodstock 99. Anyways, this music is just fucking high energy. It's fun. It's a good time. We'll get into Eminem eventually, obviously, but they also spawned a little bit of my love for the hip hop and rap of the time. Cause it just like led to certain other artists, but like really what it led to for me was all these bands. I mean, most, most notable on my mind immediately is Lincoln park, but just any band in that vein, I went down a rabbit hole and this was just so accessible and so uh, pop friendly, for lack of a better word, even though it was this sort of harder rock and it was so catchy. I just I loved it. And, and back then, of course, like there were some gimmicks for kids like on their the next album, Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water. It's like they had this song called Hot Dog that said fuck a million times. And so it was like, you know, you're a kid you're like, oh, my God, they say fuck like 50 times in this song, man. <laughs> Yeah, I just always love them, and and they've always been known to have such a great energy live, which is I can say is true. I've seen them live. Fred Durst has given me tickets to their shows for free once, and I also had a crazy night with Fred Durst in L.A. when I first moved here in 2012, where he invited me and a couple other friends to this comedy show he was hosting and we ended up hanging out with him and like free drinks all night. And he was just could not have been more the man and like was totally cool with me being like, dude, I'm a huge Limp Biscuit fan. And he was like super appreciative. I know a couple people out here that know him. Like he is a well-liked individual. And so for anyone that thinks he's a douchebag, fuck you. You're wrong. (laughs) He's a cool ass dude. And yeah, they just, they were so influential in my childhood. I love Limp Biscuit. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like, first of all, how did you get the connect? <laughs> because that sounds amazing. <laughs> Can I and tell you? Yes. I just please. tweeted at him. What? Both times. The f- the show I was going to already, but like a couple friends wanted to come that had never seen them and like didn't really want to pay the price for a ticket, and he was like 
he was like, yo, if anyone needs tickets to the show, like I'm going to give out a couple, just like shoot me your name and I'll put you on the guest list. And I hit him up and I, I remember too, I asked for, I think like an odd request. Like I think I needed three tickets and I was like, Hey Fred possible to, cause usually you get two, you get you plus one. And I was like, mm-hmm. possible to get me plus two. And he was like, done, man. So fucking cool. And then when he was doing this comedy show, again, he was like, oh, I'm like hosting this comedy show this week. Like if you couldn't get it, it was like sold out because if you couldn't get a ticket, like, let me know. I'll put you on the guest list. And I hit him up, put me on the guest list. Little did I know it also included getting to hang out in the fucking like VIP with him upstairs. And so we were just fucking drinking with Fred Durst and Tom Green. Wow. It's ridiculous. That is amazing. It was amazing. So I'm a lifelong Fred Durst fan, if you if you would imagine. Like I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Oh my goodness. Like you on Twitter that early. Good for you. Early days Twitter. It was literally in its infancy. When I got those free tickets to the concert, I think that was two thousand nine. That's, that's early days Twitter. Yeah. But also big shout out to Wes Borland, obviously. Fucking slays the guitar in Limp Bizkit. Limp Bizkit is, I mean, I, I think they're great for this list. I know you still yeah. really fuck with them. Um, and I definitely don't listen to them a lot. But like literally like a week ago, Break Stuff came on in the car. And I was like, yeah, this is fucking money. Yeah. And I was jamming <laughs> yeah. so hard. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out, just since this entire episode is a blast from the past. So Nookie, uh, which I guess is sort of the breakthrough song for Limp Bizkit, right? They that is on at least the American series. Now that's what I call music three. Wow. That's how old we are. Wow. That's scary because what are they on Humbling. now? Like a million? I don't even know. Do you guys want to hear what else is on now? That's what I call music three <laughs> though while we're here. Please. All star. Oh yeah. American <sighs> woman, Lenny Kravitz version, obviously. What's my age again? By Lamos. Enrique Bye. from the Wild Wild West oh. soundtrack. We are so old. Sometimes <laughs> all I have to give backstreet. Oh, I mean Rockefeller skank special like, gar- slim. Like garbage. Uh hey Leonardo, blessed union of souls. Oh. I mean w- w- bangers. This is a great <laughs> album. <laughs> I would I would buy that album. Maybe yeah, I will. Oh, uh, well. yeah, okay. um by yeah. the way, I believe we're on now that's what I call music 105 now. <laughs> That's, I, could I mean, be it was wrong. We lapped it. We lapped it. it we lapped ago. it. I mean, oh. good lord. Oh. Also, Oleander on there, which is a band I'm going to talk about later. It's not one of my picks, but there's a side story. Oh wait, maybe it's eight, maybe 81. Either way, we're high. We're high out up. Out of my there. head by fastball. I mean, look, good lord. Out of my head by. Fa- I've seen that song perform live. Fun fact. Okay. We do. Wow. Anyways, full blast from the past. Limp Bizkit. So good. Number three. Caroline, continue us on the on the chronological journey. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm a little nervous because I feel like it's definitely on your list, Brown. Ooh. Then it's just going to have to wait. <laughs> you know what it is, right? I mean, there's only one. <laughs> there's only one answer. We're talking about Blink-182, right? Of course. Yes. Okay. It's, so it's obviously higher. higher. Okay. It's higher. Amazing. Amazing. We'll get there. Okay. So we're still getting Blink and Eminem. Wow. A lot to come. A lot to come. A lot um, to come, baby. <laughs> okay. I am taking us definitely in a different direction from that. Good. Uh, number Diversity three. is life. <laughs> um, I love that too. All right. My number three is the amazing Southern rock band, 
the Black Crows. Oh my God! Wow, what a what a pick! This is this is a Mike pick. This is a really. Mike pick. I thought the Black Crows were kind of big. They are big, but I feel like it's like it's like a little bit out there. I love it. Okay, Black Crows. So I remember exactly like when I found out about the Black Crows because so down you and I were talking like a little bit before the pod and Carol, I don't know if you thought about this as well, like when you were going through your list, but like we are just on the cusp of like when we were kids, you just didn't have access to information. Like mm-hmm. you just didn't have it. And like, if you had like, I don't know about you guys, but like I had like, you know, a family computer. So you'd get to like be on it for like an hour <laughs> at like 7 PM. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Polish Foo Fighter on AIM. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> so like I just never heard of the Black Crows. And then I went down to see my, like some of my family members live down in Florida and I must've been like 11 and like someone was playing some Black Crows. And I was like, the fuck is this? Like, this is epic. Like, and then like from then on, I just became a massive Black Crows fan. And I eventually got um, their first two albums, Shaggy Moneymaker and Southern Harmony Music- Musical Companion. Um, and they released the greatest hits uh, right around that time that I was able to pick up as well. But I, I I was just like blown away. And then like over the next day, like couple years, like right on the back end of like what I considered for this list, like 13, 14, like freshman year of high school, there was a kid that, you know, he'd always been around. So, like, I think I went to elementary school with this kid and like, we just weren't friends, you know, like we weren't like enemies. We just didn't hang out, you know? And then like, we were in the same English class. And then I saw he was like listening to the Black Crows and I was like, oh, you fuck with the Crows? and then like him and i just like spent a year like not paying attention in english class and just talking about like black crows and then he was really into like i mean kind of like adjacent but sort of separate also like he was just really into like jam band stuff and that's when i started listening to bands like you know dmb and fish but also like dispatch like we said Mm-hmm. Um, like Keller Williams, Government Mule, oh, like yeah. bands like that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and that's like that's just such a memorable year of my life. Like all of freshman year, and like I'm not even friends with this kid today. We like only talked in English class about jam bands for a year, and it was just <laughs> it's just such a funny time in my life. Um, but I still love the Crows to this day. Yeah, number three, Black Crows. That's amazing. I'm just picturing your teacher during that time, <laughs> like separating you guys from talking about the black crows the entire time yeah i forget what that woman's name even was sorry I didn't <laughs> of course know. Sorry. <laughs> dude it's so funny because black crows are one of those bands that i've just never done i've i've never done the dive i think i have to do the dive finally same same i'm trying to think if there's any song by them that i remember that can come up like what was their famous song i don't know any of their songs i think maybe like remedy or hard to handle or twice as hard maybe I've would be like definitely heard them before. Songs. but actually and this is another funny point that we were talking about with town is like just on the cusp of napster like i would be buying like greatest hit cds because you could only buy like i didn't have enough money for cds right so you'd be like well i'll get the greatest hits because that's gonna have the best songs on it the most bang for my 10 bucks you know <laughs> yeah but the the Black Crows released like a greatest hits um, in 99. So like, you know, only like 10 years after the band had started, which is really, really good. Like that's, it's, it's honestly a good place to start. It has so many fucking bangers on it. Ooh, okay. That's, that might have to be where we do start, Caroline. 
I'm, I can't stop smiling from like Mike describing the one computer in the family household and like <laughs> me being in my, for whatever reason, it was in my parents' bedroom and like my awkward stage of like, yeah, I don't know how old I was, like sixth, seventh grade and just like, yeah, those times, like you just took me back. And I can't get that image out of my head now. (laughs) The transition from playing like games designed for like sixth graders on your computer to like figuring out what aim is and like trying to sort of hide it. That's that's the that's the time. Yes. Mm -hmm. Maturity (laughs) started peaking there. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. The fucking Black Crows. Number three. I can't believe we're at number two, guys. But here we are. Wow. Well, we skipped two of ours, right? Yeah. They're still coming. They're still coming. So this band that I'm about to drop has just been so influential in my life. I first got into them in ninth grade. I went to their concert that year. I believe it was like right after school had gotten out for the year because I'll never forget. It was June 25th, 2004. On my mom's birthday, but she said, it's okay. You can go into the city to Madison Square Garden to see the show. My first time at Madison Square Garden. I feel like there's just so much I could say about it. So I'm just going to say the band and then I'm going to dive in. But it's Incubus. Oh, my gosh. They're on my list, too. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. (laughs) We wait. We wait. Oh, my God. I love it. Obviously, there's crossover. Fucking Caroline and I were friends at this period of time. Dude, I feel like. Some of the best conversation. I feel like that's how we really became like such good friends is like our love for music and just like talking about these bands and it it yeah it's all coming back. It's all coming back <laughs> to me now. Like oh. I I remember us like in the parking lot, just like talking and talking yes. and talking and talking and talking. <laughs> Probably occasionally and, in the parking lot of the mall movie theater. Yeah. Lot. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, God. Yeah, Incubus was such a big one that we talked about. I'm like, okay. So. Yeah, wait. So Incubus is not your number two, Caroline? So remember I did chronological order. So like I kind of, they're like my, technically my one. Okay. So number two is our main man, Marshall Mathers, a.k.a. Eminem. Yes. Number two. Yes. You've got three big Eminem fans with us because Mike's, you know, the podcast was born out of an Eminem conversation. Okay. Well, this is just beautiful. This was meant to be. All right. So, whoo, Eminem. Okay. So for me, the biggest reason why Eminem is on this list for me is because when I was in seventh grade, like end of seventh grade, no, eighth grade, I moved to Orange, Connecticut from Ansonia. So this was going into eighth grade, new school. And, you know, like it was still technically junior high. And I feel like everyone's kind of still clinging to like that pack mentality before high school when you're a little bit more individualistic. So to you know, keep it simple, that year was really rough for me because even though Ansonia and Orange are literally like right next to each other. <laughs> I was just chuckling because like the people listening to us have no idea like what that move means. It means like you're just down the road. 
Yo, and that's the thing. And oh man, I, I could say so much about this, but where do I begin? I mean, <laughs> so Ansonia is like more of like, it's a valley town. It's, you know, more of an industrial town. And I lived there for like quite some time. I, I moved around a lot when I was younger. So I was between like Shelton and Sonia. I was born in Bridgeport. So like all I can say is like moving sucked. Um, I was like the lanky white girl <laughs> from Ansonia. <laughs> and I got my first day on the bus. I'm not going to say names, but I remember it was my first day and in Ansonia, like when kids got picked on and stuff, like you like fought back and like you like stood up for yourself and people would always stand up for you too, you know? But in Orange, it was like my first day and I remember this girl getting bullied for her weight and it was like by these three guys and one of them was like a lot heavier than, you know, her and like, I don't know, like he was just obviously overweight and he was picking on her like really bad. And I just remember being like, what are you making fun of her for? Like, you're like way bigger than you should be. And then I like made fun of the other two guys for like having crooked teeth and like yeah. all this other stuff. Mind you, no one says anything. They were like, wait, what the hell just happened? Like they just, their jaws dropped. And I was like, okay, well, that was pretty simple. Went, went to school, like didn't get anything for it. But the three of them teamed up like after that. And for the next two years during junior high, because like Justin, like you said, like ninth grade, right? Mm -hmm. I just got ripped on so bad. And no. they would like, oh, yeah, they would like be like, I was called a white trash, right? Because like, <laughs> like people Fuck. were like, I could buy your town with my pocket money, right? And it's like their parents they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, I was like called dumb Pollock because obviously like my parents are from Poland and like, yeah, like just got ripped apart for being from the Valley. And I would fight, like I would often say like horrible things to them too. But there were days where I was just like, I really don't have the energy for this. I felt like no one on the bus ever stood up for me or like really told them to shut the fuck up. So when Eminem came out, my he like blew my world away because I just felt like all of the anger and sadness and like this aggression of like fuck off energy and being in a space where I was really struggling to connect with making new friends because again like everyone knew each other since like kindergarten and it was kind of hard and yeah like I just loved him like being vulnerable with his emotion and I don't know like that that album he I had a poster of him in my room no longer do my mom hated <laughs> hated Eminem <laughs> of course because he was like always in the news super controversial and she yep. just didn't she just didn't get it you know she saw all the the bad things she heard all the shit that they spewed in the news which, exactly. which you know right and like of course like every person they have all sides to them um but yeah that album was huge for me because i just felt like it was the first time and seeing like eight mile like i just 
really related to that story of like trying to be accepted and just like not even like of course the first day I kind of set myself up but at the same time I felt like I didn't really have that camaraderie you know like high Mm -hmm. school I remember making a decision and like going into 10th grade and being like I don't give a fuck who I'm friends with as long as they're nice and I'm not gonna care about groups or any of that because again like I moved around so much when I was younger that it was always really easy for me to connect with people but at the same time it takes two to tango right so I felt like in high school maturity wise people were ready to start like being themselves and didn't Mm -hmm. care as much as like the pack mentality of like I'm afraid to sit at the wrong table or whatever you're kind of just like whatever and that's exactly what happened like high school I felt like I had so many different type of friend groups because I just got down with everybody and like I feel like my upbringing of moving a lot and being in a school system where like yeah you have like parents that were single parents you had like more I guess like racial diversity and stuff so I felt like it was just easier for me to connect with people and even till this day I feel like I can connect with pretty much anybody pretty fast on a deep level because I think it's also like a survival thing that I think you pick up on is like okay I need to connect because that's how biologically we were engineered to survive like you know Mm -hmm. you got to have your tribe so yeah Eminem love him love how much he helped me and just a side note really quick during that time the other band during that move you're never gonna guess it but it was Eminem and yellow card oh my god (laughs) ocean avenue baby ocean avenue like Saw them at UConn with the matches. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yep. Anyone else? Were you guys there by any chance? No. No. Yep, I was, was there. Was it great, though? It was so freaking good. And I remember, oh. It, oh, my gosh. Okay, I have to say this. Okay. I remember, like, I was, like, so split because I was, like, into, like, the rock music and, like, you know, pop punk. But then there was mm-hmm. Eminem. And, you know, when you're, like, trying to choose a look. <laughs> Yeah. When you're younger, <laughs> yo, I would like coming from Ansonia, like, you know, I was like listening to like Nelly and just like getting really into hip hop and R&B. And like I had like kind of like this completely different look. I had like this like my chain and my hair was always up and like slicked back. And like I had these like funny looking little like two pieces of hair coming out on my forehead because I thought that was like the look, you know, like. I was trying yep. to be a Shanti, yep. basically. <laughs> and then, like, I was like, oh, shit, I got to change my shoes. And I'd wear, like, my, my like, Vans. Wait, were they Vans? Like, those wide, thick punk shoes that everyone wore that, like, you didn't always have to tie. At knees? Yes! Thank you. Yes. This is exact. Oh. This is amazing. Thank you so much. And like, <laughs> I think um, someone from the matches, the lead singer, signed my shoes, and I had those forever. And I, I'm really sad thinking about it now because I don't think I still have those. But oh no, maybe I do. But yeah, that was that those is, were the days <laughs> trying to figure incredible. out who the fuck you are. <laughs> yeah. Oh fucking Eminem! Like, 
the only reason, because one of my favorite artists of all time to this day, like only reason I had him at number five was because for me, I mean, at that time, he opened me up to so much, like opened me up to all the hip hop that I still, you know, like today, which is pretty much all like 90s and 2000s hip hop. I, I, I really don't fuck with new age stuff. But so that's why I felt like he was at number five, because like rap and hip hop has sort of taken for me, at least like a bit of a backseat, not one of my favorite genres these days. I, I don't for the most part like what's coming out these days. But he opened up my world there and led me into just so, so much new territory. I mean, of course, he was every parent's nightmare back then because <laughs> it fucking I mean, a, a lot of us probably knew my name is. But then it's like Marshall Mathers LP dropped and Slim, the real Slim Shady and the way I am and Stan. And I mean, he was the biggest artist on the planet. And he was talking about everything that our parents did not want us to be listening to. But, you know, they just didn't, like you said, Caroline, they just didn't get it. I actually am fortunate. My mom actually likes Eminem, but she, with that said, so Eminem, definitely one of the biggest names in my household growing up. I just thought he was, again, it's almost was in its own realm because even though it led me to other music, it was like, there still is no one like Eminem ever. Like Eminem is a one of a kind artist and like. I just fucking thought he was unbelievable, this unbelievable storyteller. And I, I absolutely think he's one of the fucking most unbelievable artists of, of all time. And it's like Marshall Mathers drops. Yep. Then Eight Mile drop, just like you say, Caroline. And I'll never forget that because, again, props to my mom always fucking pulling through when it came to fucking concerts and movies and shit. I obviously couldn't go alone because it was rated R. And my parents were pretty strict. Like, I'd have to get the edited albums, like, at first. But she took me to 8 Mile on opening night. And, I mean, it was unbelievable. And that was a whole other funny experience of itself. <laughs> because a girl, it was sold out. And the girl sitting in front of us wouldn't stop yelling out that she wanted to suck Eminem's dick. <laughs> it was a mortifying experience with my mom. I was fucking 13 losing it inside caroline it was at the seymour movie theater i love that movie theater oh, i've only been there like one time oh that's what's up i saw saw two there oh my god amazing i might have seen it there but like and then of course after that another big big shout out to my mom 2005 gonna bring it back to madison square garden again eminem playing there for the anger management three tour and like 50 Cent and like G Unit were also playing. And I somehow convinced my mother to take me. And we had pretty far back seats because, like, obviously back then I was very young. I wasn't the ticket guru that I am today. So we we're pretty high up. It is just a fucking cloud of weed smoke everywhere. My mom is the most out of her element to this day I've ever seen her in my life. She was like, I hate this, Justin. I hate this. Anyways, it was fucking great still. That's so amazing. That's such Eminem a beautiful is, story. He's one of those few artists that to this day, there, there's a handful of people that everyone on planet Earth essentially knows who they are. I'd contend Eminem's one of them. And I'd contend he's one of maybe 10 human beings in the world that like, he feels like such a rare person that you'd ever see in, in real life. I feel like he's got that that gravity of like, whoa, it's Eminem. Like, 
you know, if you run into Dave Matthews on the street, that'd be crazy. But like, this is fucking Eminem. He's the biggest selling artist of all time. He's a giant. I just, I don't know. I, I could rave about Eminem, but I fucking <laughs> love the guy. He's meant so much to my childhood and beyond. All hail the fucking rap god. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on record saying that he's he's the greatest rapper of all time. The, the only reason he's not on my list is because I think in what I consider my childhood, I probably listened to like 90% like sort of like alternative rock, like mm-hmm. basically basically 1041. Let's be honest. We're oh, all from Connecticut. God, um, I love 1041. Yep. And, and, but a big part of it also was like accessibility, you know, like yeah. I, I remember, uh, you know, using a boombox to record Eminem songs off the radio because I wasn't allowed to buy the album, you know? Um, also Caroline hilarious that you mentioned my, the very first album I ever bought that was explicit. I don't really remember the circumstances of how I was able to do this. Cause it was the same time country grammar, Nelly. <laughs> yes. I Amazing. love that album. But but yeah, I mean, I just wasn't able to listen to him enough until it was more yeah. like in sort of my teenage years, and then things mm-hmm. really started to switch. Um, also, just like into mostly just listening to hip hop. But yeah, I mean, I could. I have so many memories. I think we all do um, <laughs> of growing up with him. I mean, he's he's the best. Like I also just I don't know maybe to think of this, but like we're just like remember like when Eminem came out and people were like there was just so many old people that would just be like. What is this? M&M's like the candy. It was like, it was just like, you know what I mean? Like people were just saying the weirdest things. Like everyone was just so old. Like when, when you were like Eminem, like nobody older than like 30 got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now yeah. it's like crazy because of course now he's multi-generational and every, like you people like him that are like 70 and it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, funny story about that because like I have a 12 year age difference with my brother Mm-hmm. He listens to him now. Um, no. I don't know the extent of how much or whatever, but I remember him like mentioning him. And my brother and I, we have the, like, he was just so funny because he was like, it was when Eminem had uh, brown hair. And I was like, oh, yeah. He used to have, like, when I was growing up, like, he always had this, like, super bleach blonde hair. And my brother would try to argue with me. And I was like, dude, like, I think I know, <laughs> like, I'm 12 years older than you. But he was just like, oh, you know, kind of like that age of like, no, you know, there's no way. And it's like, yes, he's that old. And I'm that old. And that's how good he is. Is He's still out there and like, still killing it. Okay, great point. If you want to realize how popular Eminem was in like 2001, Go back and look at photos of people. Everyone had bleach blonde hair. Yes! And it's all because of <laughs> yes! one person. Yes! It's one person. Like, that's it. He just, like, everyone was doing it. Yep. Sadly, I never took the plunge. I know, me either. Also, I like that we got some Connecticut politics in here. But Hell like, yeah. I mean, Orange is like, you know, that's like a New Haven sort of maybe Woodbridge town, like Milford thing. But Ansonia, that's like Seymour. Derby, right uh, yeah you know, exactly Shelton. that's yeah that's that's a different place and you would never know any of this if you didn't grow up in connecticut so right next to orange which is crazy and i also just have to add and i'm sure you guys will like this will hit you <laughs> but do you remember like for me the memories with eminem of like being in the back seat of the car listening to your cd player and like being super pissed about whatever it was, usually your parents. 
and just like looking out into the world and like listening to Eminem and just being like, yeah, this is life. Like this, this is me like really feeling like (laughs) that that's your world. And he's talking about shit that's like way worse and like way way sadder and whatever. You're like in the suburbs and like totally fine. Your parents are just pissing you off, but like, you just feel like he's speaking to your soul, you know, and it's like 100%. He has so much emotion. Yeah. I was going to say, I wish I had that memory. I have that later in life, especially like anytime <laughs> I was on the bus, I'd always think about that yes. scene from Eight Mile where he's writing the lyrics down. Yeah. <laughs> I was just forbidden from listening to him. Like, and, and what I remember is being in the back seat, and my name is like just even being mentioned on the radio. Yeah. And it was the first time ever and, and, and like basically never again. Like my parents ended up being like totally cool with whatever essentially. But for like a two year period, like I remember this, like he came on the radio. My parents were just like violently like, no, we are not listening to this. Like I think they were cursing. Like they were just like sort of fuck this guy. Like and it was just like it was serious. And that's when I, yeah. knew, that's when I knew I had to be like, well, this must be good. Like this, yeah. I got to get my hands on that. <laughs> Yes, that's so good. Oh my god! I mean, Eminem, what can we say? The energy, Eminem. the energy. Where are we? Is it like oh, <laughs> it's your number two, bro? Wow. Okay. All right. My number two. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I'm. I'm. I've more memories to share for sure. But I'm. I'm curious if you guys like remember this band because I feel like they're just kind of forgotten. But like they did have two albums that went platinum, which is weird to even think about. But. My number two is Fuel. Oh, I remember. Yep, I remember them too. I feel like you just had to kind of be there. Like, is anybody that's 20 today listening to Fuel? Probably not, right? I don't think they even know they exist. Yeah. So, and and their biggest album was something like Human. um, But my favorite album and what really turned me on to them was Sunburn, which came out in 1998. And that, uh, it has like Bittersweet and Shimmer on it. And I think this is really sort of my gateway into like alt rock and like 1041 that we talked about. But also, Fuel, the very first concert I ever went to. Beautiful. I think it must have been 2001. I went to see an Oleander Whoa. Fuel Three Doors Down concert at Sacred Heart University. Whoa. And yeah, my brother took me, my oldest brother. He's like seven years older than me. So I think I must have been like 11 and he must have been like 18. And I have some great memories that I cannot share on the pod, but absolutely fantastic. I'll never forget like being there. It's really like one of my earliest sort of music memories in a sense. And I just, yeah, I I think I sort of put the, the like the whole bands, but really this album on the shelf um, for a little while. And then when I was like 16 and started driving again, I would like pop this CD in. Um, and I think it's really underrated. I listen to it a lot now. Um, and like I said, I think they're kind of a forgotten band, but. I think Fuel is, is really good, um, and the Sunburn album just plays amazing front to back, and I would definitely check it out if you haven't heard it or haven't listened to it lately. I'm going to listen to them after this podcast is finished because I feel like I can't think or remember a particular song, but I know the name, and I know that if I heard the song, it would take me back to me driving in the car and just like one of those bands like Matchbox 20 or whatever, yeah, like coming yeah. on and being like, yes, because I loved those bands. Yeah, oh, exactly. So in town, much. you had mentioned them like Goo Goo Dolls, like Matchbox 20, like even Three Doors Down that played at the same concert. Yes. Like, and another band like Stained that I was like big oh, yeah. to like around that time. Like this was like sort of the gateway 
Um, and then like for most, for most of high school, I listened to basically just like alternate, alternate rock. Yeah. Fuel was, uh, what's it called? What's it called? In my hands again. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hammer, hemorrhage. Right. That's what that song was called. Yeah. That's on the, the, the other, other album. Yeah. Dude. Wait, what's, I remember hearing, I don't know. Have you kept up with them at all? Isn't there some drama? Like, wasn't the lead singer like left maybe and then came back? Or do you know anything there, there about was that? Some, there was some drama, um, but they, yeah, they did put out an album last year. I haven't even heard it, if I'm honest with you. But like, yeah, I believe there was some. But they have, they did get back together, um, and they did put out another album. So amazing, dude! That whole, what a fucking deep cut, by the way. But like that. I feel like that whole sort of sort of world of bands that you just brought up, some of them, like Fuel, forgotten gems of the 90s and 2000s. Like stuff that, like even Stained. Like today, if you mentioned yeah. Stained to a fucking 20-year-old, they'd have no clue what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But that, oh man, what was that album that they had, Stained? Break the Cycle. In, yeah, and they were they were signed to Fred Durst's label, right? Or he like yes. sort of discovered them. Yeah, yeah. There was there was a whole. This is exactly it. This is fuel is opened me up to this scene that is like somewhat forgotten, you know. Yeah. But like, Wait, and Mike, can we just drop a, a band that we both love and saw together live? Oh, puddle of mud. Puddle of mud. I loved puddle of mud. Too. Oh, Caroline. They were fun. I never Blurry saw them live, control. but oh, love that. Wait, Caroline, you're gonna lose it, Mike. <laughs> And my brother and and I went to, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, a free puddle of mud show. That sounds right. Yeah. At the Webster Theater in Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah, that's right. It was. And Webster. it was like something because it got rescheduled and then they like did it like they're like, fuck it, it'll be free. But like we go and after the show, Wes Scantlin, the lead singer who like notoriously has like problems with, unfortunately, I think like substance abuse and shit was meeting people and he was just so outrageous we we have an epic picture with him maybe i'll try to dig it up to post but uh he was he was being quite quite something in line i'll I'll say and for the record this wasn't like 2006 this was like 2012 (laughs) (laughs) yeah this was like way late (laughs) but yeah dude there's so many actually i was at like a friend's house like uh maybe like four weeks ago And, you know, obviously I'm in the UK and it's interesting to see like what music made it over here. Mm -hmm. And there's so many like alternate alternative rock bands from like 2001 to 2004 that just like never made it. Like they'd never heard of like P.O.D. Oh, my God. And I was like, what? You guys never heard of P.O.D.? Like I did that for like two hours. Like Like that satellite album was. Oh, I want to come over there and hear. I want to have that exact same conversation with people over there. I, I want to do it again. It was fantastic. Well, fantastic number two. And now it's time to talk about some fucking great bands. Because we already know two of them we're going to po- talk about. <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion I know Mike's. And I'm I'm pumped. Oh, no, you don't mind. You don't know it. No. Okay, I don't know. I don't know it. I guess I don't know it. Another deep cut. So we'll start with me. If you literally have ever even met me for like a day, it's facts. <laughs> There's a few things that every human being that knows me knows. And I'd say, arguably, the number one fact is that my favorite band in the world is Blink 182. They started my love of music. 
and fucking A, they're going to end it because the day that I fucking die, they'll be my favorite band. So I was, what was it? It was 1999. I think when the actual albums came out, I was still nine because my birthday's in August. So it's a little bit later in the year. I bought en- Enema of the State with my own money. I had obviously heard all the small things and what's my age again. I was obsessed. Bought the album, had to get it edited. My parents, of course, did not love the cover, which is <laughs> the nurse. And I mean, it started probably one of my biggest passions to this day, which is just the world of Blink-182, every fucking side project since. So many emotions that that one band and three men can give me. It's just, I mean, it's insane. They opened up my world to so much music that I love to this day. The pop punk world, the punk rock world, emo world. So many of my fate, all my favorite music was all because of Blink-182 introducing me to it. And man, I mean, to this day, give me an album that is just as banger heavy as Enema of the State or Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Like, they're just fucking legendary. And I mean, not even necessarily my favorite Blink albums. But if you don't know Blink-182, well, then we're not friends. But... If you don't know Blink-182, it's Mark Hoppus, Tom DeLong, Travis Barker. They're an insane trio. There's been a lot of drama over the years. Last time, well, two times ago when Mike visited, he asked, he told me that I could give him the entire Blink-182 story <laughs> finally. And I literally for like an hour <laughs> just told Mike the entire Blink-182 story. And all I remember is Carousel. Like nothing else <laughs> Nothing after that makes any sense anymore. <laughs> that was like the first two minutes of me telling Mike this. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, there's been a lot of drama over the years. You know, their original drummer, Scott Rayner, got kicked out of the band. And then obviously Tom DeLong famously has, has left the band twice and is currently not in the band. Very sadly, Mark Hoppus had stage four cancer this past year. And very incredibly, he fully beat it. He's in remission. It's the greatest news in the world. Sort of seems like there's rumblings that the boys might give it one last go together. So we'll see. But yeah, man, I mean, is there any fucking music that that teaches you more about growing up and what it's like? not only to be a teenager and to be a kid, but then sort of to keep that spark of, you know, eternal youth going forever. And I feel like, you know, I'm sort of a kid, like in like, I'm I'm a 32 year old man sort of trapped in, you know, I'm forever in my head, like 18. And so I feel like Blink is such a big part of sort of that, like, youthful mentality that I have and always just like being curious and and wanting to keep you know the fun alive but it's yeah I mean everything from you know romance romance to fucking friendships and going through tough times with your family with with a you know with a girl or a guy with with a buddy you know dealing with certain issues within the world, like going through, uh, you know, losing someone you love, like Blink's been there for everything for me. And it's like, they, they did it in such a way that was easily digestible at the time as a kid. And then they sort of, I feel like they grew up with us 
because they started writing more mature music as we were getting older. So it was like, you know, if you follow their discography, it sort of gets more mature and like the logical like next steps for where you think Blink would be, but still with that youthful mentality and never forgetting like its roots. And I feel like for me, at least that's sort of, that's how I feel about my own progression as a human. So fucking Mark, Tom and Travis. I love you guys. I love you guys. I don't know. I could go on forever. So I got, I feel like Caroline, you take the floor for a bit. Well, that was just honestly so nice because I've known how much you love Blink and obviously we haven't reconnected until recently. So it's been really nice to kind of hear your version of the influence they made on your life. And I relate to a lot of the things you said. I think that um, this was the first CD that I asked my mom to buy. Yeah, I was young. It was before moving. So I think I was like 10 or nine. I don't remember. But I was pretty young and I asked my mom to buy it because uh, my childhood friends slash like sisters who were actually sisters, uh, shout out to Kasha and Pauline, um, they had the Blink album, Enema of the State, and we used to listen to it. And their mom was a little bit like a lot more actually lenient. Um, with like what they could listen to and stuff. She had three kids, so she was probably like, oh, whatever, just entertain yourselves. Whereas I was like the single child. And Mm -hmm. um, listening to that album with them, I was like blown away. So I asked my mom and I remember her like being like, you want this album? Because like you said, it's this hot nurse with like, you know, a lot of cleavage. And I was like, it's really good. Like, it's really good. (laughs) And so she bought it. And I listened to that on repeat so many times, like being a single, uh, the only child, you know, you are like constantly in your own world and just like going places with your imagination. And it was just like this earnest, goofy, preteen angst where like puberty is happening, but you're not really aware about it like you know very big mouth moments um if you guys watch big mouth i'm a huge fan of that show oh i need to watch it it's amazing it justin you will freaking love it it's so good Uh. yeah like i just remember like i was you know very innocent and on this on the edge of wanting to be more edgy and you start thinking what it's like to be more of an adult from like a PG-13 almost rated our way. Like, you know, they were very playful, but then they were talking about sex and dating and like these awkward moments and and, like this romantic, like almost like romantic comedy type of way Mm -hmm. of of, of speaking. And um, yeah, and like, yeah, just the memories of like jamming out. And also, um, you know, my friend Kasha, she was a year older. Pauline was a year younger. And, you know, like back then, a year between you at that stage is like kind of a big deal in school, you know. So I feel like each of us were listening to the album and interpreting it in different ways developmentally, (laughs) like what was going on with us. And I remember Kasha, like she was really big on the following album, which I can't even remember the name 
uh, the jackets and pants album. <laughs> Take off your, <laughs> Take pants off your and yeah, jacket. there you go. <laughs> and I remember yeah. her like being like super into that one, whereas I was still into Enema of the State. And then like the following years, I got more into that, and I was like, oh yeah, this makes sense. But yeah, I mean, they just like really opened my eyes to other pop punk bands and emo music you know i loved green day smash mouth the offspring the used oh the used brand new you know like they just like opened up my world to to that and yeah and it's like you you hear the album and it's like you hear them sing and like you can't not enjoy it it's just it just such a feel good experience and it was also around the time where in sync and backstreet boys which i was into like i did a talent show <laughs> like my first talent show was dancing to in sync with my friend and Epic. but but you know for whatever reason like blink just they just yeah they made you feel less alone like you said when stuff was going on with family and stuff like that you know they had some much deeper songs um about suicide and stuff like that where at that age you're kind of like figuring it out you know what i mean and then as you get older you're like oh this is like really good <laughs> and now i understand more about what this is so blinks up there for me too oh fucking blink and like I'll sort of pull it all around and just say that I think the one other thing that was so special about Blink, at least at least to me, was and and I think at the very least for a lot of guys, just because they were three dudes, but like maybe this translated Caroline even to you or other females, like they were so regular compared to like other really famous acts at the time that sort of felt like they could be your friends and like they just seemed like three really good friends making music and like having a blast and like living the life so it was like for me the friendship of it all and like mark and tom at least back then being the best friends in the world like and just being these goofballs it totally influenced my personality and the way that i wanted to be as a human and like taught me things about friendship and like you know, not taking everything too seriously. And and that really has resonated with me for my whole life. So thanks. Thanks, boys. Yeah. Wow. I love how you framed that because it's so true. It's like having fun and like not being overly produced, you know, like the mm-hmm. bands, like I'm not saying that they weren't, of course, like they they had their look and stuff. But yeah, there was that feeling of like easygoing fun and friendship over everything type thing like we'll figure it out we'll make it work and we're in this shit together fucking a i think everybody that listens to the pod knows that i I didn't really grow up a blink fan i love having justin in my life to keep me abreast of blink news and (laughs) get me to listen to them like every year uh which is great uh but but i did you know even as i say that it's, it's not like i hated them it just wasn't really my scene but yeah I always appreciated like what they did because you mentioned like they're like the other bands around like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys like the way that they were like and, and I think you said it also like sort of in a PG-13 way like poking mm-hmm. fun at them and that yeah. whole idea and sort of ushering in the pop punk and ushering out the boy band era 
um i always sort of admired it from afar i guess so but obviously like i listen to them now um no memories from when from then and also everybody knows it's all about time to long i'm glad mark is better <laughs> because now i can go back to shitting on mark Hoppus. Fuck Mark Hoppus. It's all about time. Get, get the fuck out of here. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just Don't kidding. you dare. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Unfucking real. Blink-182. Greatest man of all time. Caroline, I think it's time we talk about Incubus. It's your number one. Again, reminding again. <laughs> chronological order. Incubus is number one because this album changed my i mean their music you know from science to make yourself to morning view um moving forward just like really introduced me to alternative indie music they kind of had this like artsy vibe you know what i think they were known as like new metal uh rock funk and they totally introduced me to listen to other bands, which I love, like Nine Inch Nails, Tool. And I just, you know, like some of the best memories I have is like me listening to the warmth and um, pardon me and just like losing it in my car with like, yeah, just feeling like you're coming to this age where you're starting to really think about how you want to live your life, right? Like you're older and I don't know. I mean, I and Justin, I'm pretty sure we might have seen Incubus together in high school. I know I saw them. John and Dan Rothberg were there, you know, and I think like Incubus for me was that band where like I just felt like, I don't know, like it was literally alternative. Like they really got me more into thinking about different types of sounds and I I okay this is the thing I have a Brandon Boyd poster by my bed till this day and it's fucking hilarious because I'm married now I live in Argentina and when me and my husband go and we sleep in my my childhood bedroom guess who's there Mr. Brandon Boyd Boyd. and like I know that very soon you know my parents are obviously going to remodel my room and stuff and like I just never took those posters down like a lot's changed in that room but it's just one of those places where like I go and I'm like I I just like it's a blast from the past and Mm -hmm. I feel like me saying this is like a tribute to the room so now it can change but like we've kind of documented some of the memories and like experiences and moments that went down so cheers to Incubus Incubus. I mean, one, Brandon Boyd's one of the most beautiful men uh, that I've ever known. And oh my God. I mean, also, like, I love everything you said, Caroline, about like childhood rooms and stuff, because my childhood room is a relic of the past and has not changed either. And every single artist on my top five list is is in my room to this day. Four of them in actual poster form. Blink, Incubus, Limp Bizkit, and Eminem. Dave is in there in some sort of smaller photos. But Incubus, like, to this day, similar to Blink, one of my favorite bands of all time. Fucking ninth grade. I went to their show. I don't think you were at this one, Caroline. Were you the Matt? No, 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 because we didn't know you yet. Madison no. Square Garden. Johnny was at it. John. So, by the way, everyone, John Delizio. I mean, if you know us, you know John. He passed away. Back in 2016, one of the greatest humans of all time, 
we love you, rest in peace. But John, you know, and Caroline used to date for many years, and he was one of my best friends since you know I was I was five years old. But um, John fucking loved Incubus. Yeah. And I'd say is one of the people that got me into Incubus. Like, I I think he really is probably maybe the first person that talked to me about Incubus. And so anyways, like me and him and 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 uh, Elliot and and Andrew Eldridge, another one, rest in peace. Lauren Rose, Andrea Urbano. Fuck, I'm forgetting who else. But anyway, Jill, I think Jill, Rebecca, maybe, maybe. I think yeah. that was honestly the full crew. You, you know who randomly came who I wasn't even that good of friends with? Lindsay Lee. Anyways, go to see Incubus. Fucking blew my mind. Yeah, they're just they opened up that whole like I'd say so much music to me. Like 311 then became one of my favorite oh, yeah. bands. Um, yep. Every fucking like. It, it led me even to being into alternative rock and eventually, eventually getting into stuff like The Strokes and then eventually mm-hmm. even later like a Kings of Leon type music. Yes. Like, like Incubus led to, I'd say, everything else in the rock realm that I've ever liked since. Mm-hmm. I, they were just so important and I still think they make the most beautiful music. Like every album's a little different. Brandon is such a fucking artist, man. He really is. Like as lame as that can be to say sometimes, like – the dude is like this epic painter and like, you know, he he really is a creative in every sense of the word. And there's too many Incubus stories for me to tell. It's similar to Blink, but like with both Incubus and Blink, and I'm sure there'll be episodes down the line where I'll tell more. But like I've been very fortunate to meet both bands multiple times for like some people that I idolize so much. And I can say about both, but in Incubus specifically in this, Incubus has got to be some of the fucking nicest, most normal dudes. And the coolest thing is Brandon might actually be the fucking coolest of them all. And like, that's pretty dope for the lead singer to sort of be. I mean, they're all super down to earth, but I add this is actually the coolest fucking story. So I got to tell it. One of the times I met Brandon I was going to three Incubus shows in the course of a week, which if you know me, this is pretty fucking on par for me. And so I was like, hey, man, like I saw that like a couple of weeks ago you played this song, this song Calgon off their one of their first albums, Science, my favorite album, a little bit rarer. And I was, it was like the first time they played that song in like 13 years. And I was like, I saw you played it like once. I was like, you think there's any chance you could play it one of the next three nights? And he was like, oh, he's like, you know what? He's like we already rehearsed for tonight, so we can't do it tonight. And he was like, but let me do it. He's like, I think we could get you Wednesday in Santa Barbara. And so I was like, in my head, I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, sure. Get to Wednesday in Santa Barbara. And Mr. Brandon Boyd makes a little speech towards the end of the show. Yeah, there's this one song, you know, we haven't really, we, we never play it. You know, was reminded sort of, we busted it out once recently. We're going to do it for you guys tonight fucking plays the song lost my actual mind <laughs> what a fucking gem brandon Boyd. i love you sir oh god when i just thought i couldn't love him more <laughs> that man has my heart but if any man ever ever turned me gay it'd be brandon boyd that's on the record and that's gonna close the episode that's just i'm gonna tag that one that's gonna be the tag that's pretty much done
on that note one? I don't even know what give us that. your number one my friend <laughs> uh, yeah incubus no okay all right my number one is a band that I've I've been a, a fan of for a while obviously and I just I keep trying to get people onto them I it's like kind of hit or miss whether people have even heard of them like and this is this is real not like the Beatles but it is a band out of the Bay Area called Stroke Nine. This, oh my God, Caroline, if you only knew, this is the most fucking on-brand mic thing to do <laughs> of all fucking time. What? Of all no. fucking time. Of all fucking time. It's a band that's made up. It's a made up band. It's a made it's up band. It's not a made up band. <laughs> People have heard of them. I feel like I've heard of them too, but I'm just Stroke like- Nine. I definitely feel like I've heard that name before, and I, I'm just so horrible with names. Like, I mean, you guys heard me. I couldn't even like remember the name of the album, of like Blink or whatever. Shirts it's just, and jackets. Like, mm-hmm. Shirts. And jackets. I was like pants and jackets. <laughs> pants, jackets, jackets, pants, pants and jackets. Clothes, the next one. Clothing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I see Stroke Nine. I see photos. So Tell I us about see them. it. Yeah, they're a band. Yeah, they're out of the Bay Area. Uh, they're they've had a few different members, but their kind of front man and most well known member is Luke. Uh, Esterkin and they I don't know I feel like they just sort of had a moment um, around 99 2000 um, they put out an album in 99 and another album in 2002 um, with all their kind of biggest songs on it I guess I think maybe kick some ass or little black backpack are the most biggest songs I don't know check Spotify but it felt like they had a moment they were kind of gaining steam um, and then sort of nothing happened. And then no one ever heard of them again. And, and I've been just like kind of trying to push people to listen to them. I think they're a great alt rock band from from sort of around this time. Very similar to a lot of the other bands that have kind of floated to the top of our lists here. And yeah, I just fell in love with them back then. Um, and really, I don't want to say that I started playing guitar to play their songs, but like around this same time is when I started to learn to play guitar. And I just absolutely love playing their songs um they they make me laugh they make me cry they're just a band that i've really sort of grown up with and and i was reading something today actually that just kind of encapsulated like everything i think about them in a perfect way someone had commented on one of their videos on youtube that just wrote they captured moments in life and that's That's i feel like what we've been doing in this episode and this is that band for me i have so many memories that I, i wouldn't share sort of publicly but I just, this is that band, you know, that's just that band. This is my Blink-182. Oh, I love that. That was, I don't that even want to say anything because that was just the way right there yeah. to close it. Yeah, there's nothing, you, you capped this podcast episode in such a beautiful way. Well, thank you. you. really, really did. Wow, this has been this has been an epic. It's been an epic. Let's, yeah, let's do, let's do a quick recap. I mean, quick I don't even recap. know where we've been. Okay, I'll I'll start first, five to one. So number five, I've got Eminem. Number four, Dave Matthews Band. Number three, Limp Biscuit. Number two, Incubus. And number one, Blink-182. All right, everyone, the chronological order with my age and all of that. One, Pink Floyd. Two, Bob Marley. Three, Blink-182. Four, Eminem. Five, Incubus. Oh, I'm supposed to do the opposite. <laughs> You know what? Oh. That's okay. I didn't even notice, and I think it was perfect. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number five, Poison. Number four, The Beatles. Number three, The Black Crows. Number two, Fuel. And number one, Stroke Nine. I'm speechless. What an ep. What an ep. What a fucking ep. I feel like we talked about so many honorables in the app that we don't even need to do it. I I want to do like another two hour honorables pod. Just keep the conversation going. We should just hang out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I want to keep the hangout alive. Now, now I'm just like, all right, this we just need to have a in person reunion. So Mike, if you're ever and Justin in Argentina or if I'm in Connecticut, I'll let you guys know because who knows? That would be so fun to have a little Connecticut reunion during Christmas. That would be Five of Buenos Aires. Let's go town. Yeah, let's let's make a trip. Yeah. And I'm gonna be there for Christmas for sure this year. So I'm just planting that seed for y'all to get down there. Let's work this out. Yeah. Let's let's fucking do this. Well, this was incredible. Caroline, thank you so much for coming on. This was so much fun. It feel it just like warms my heart and it just makes me feel super nostalgic to connect with not only my youth, but like when you're talking to someone and Mike, I feel like I've known you, so it's weird. <laughs> like I, I feel like <laughs> You know, our worlds have definitely collided as we were talking earlier before this started, but this was just so much fun. Thank you guys so much for having me on here, and I can't wait for other people to hear it too. And Caroline, we'll, we'll put everything in the show notes, but can you just you know, plug where everyone can find you? Yeah, so if anyone's interested in um, following me, they can follow me on Instagram at Partner and Purpose. And also, if you're interested in working with me, or in coaching, um, go to my website at www.thepartnerinpurpose.com. And I offer complimentary consultations. So if you're interested and you just want to connect and see if it's for you, I'd love to meet you and see where it goes. Beautiful. And also, look out for the Unpurposeful podcast launching very soon. Very soon. It's going to be epic. I did an episode with Caroline, which, as we know, was also epic. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So much. But uh, seriously, this has been the best. And if you guys enjoyed this app, as we always say, if you'd be so kind to go on to Apple Podcasts, give us a five star review. Takes about ten seconds. It's free. Helps us out getting noticed. Then you can find us at Top Fives and Deep Dives on Instagram and on Twitter at Top Dives. So we love you guys. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Top Fives and Deep Dives with Tata PTM. 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 My favorite director. Kind of like this Candyland mystery audio journey.